There's a bit of mischief in that boy. <laughs> I'm not. I thought this Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> I thought he was going to. Uh, uh, what should we call it? <laughs> I thought he was going to come in with a funeral march or something. <laughs> I'm glad he didn't. Perfect, Perfect. This is good stuff. All right, I just got a nice note from a Dana Buckley, school board member in Candia, about the show going off the air, and uh, you know. Another profile encouraged, literally, Dana yeah. Buckley and the yeah. Candia School Board that yeah. withstood the unbelievable pressure brought by, you know, political groups from around the state and, and you know, the, the country, really, when they they said no to that uh, policy, when they overturned that policy that uh, Candia clearly didn't want, cost a couple of incumbents their elections and everything else, uh, you know, on the whole transgender thing. And, you know, the biggest sin of which, in my opinion, was the requirement, the prohibition on parents being told what their kids cross gender behavior was in school unless the the kid uh, approved of it. And we're talking, you know, candy is a, a K through eight school. I mean, so a first grader could, right. you know, want to be dressing up in, in their little friend's clothes and that they were prohibited under that policy from telling parents is somehow the child's privacy rights trump the parents right to know crazy stuff. Uh, there are people that I need to thank, and I did thank uh, Josh, and it's a terrible road to go down, and I'm going to single out one person because, you know, I have all of the show anchors, all of the show sponsors, who I hope you'll continue to be loyal to, who I hope you'll continue to give the um, uh, the first right, to earn, you know, the first opportunity to earn your business. All of the guest hosts, all of the, I mean, folks, we've done over 7,000 interviews in six years. <laughs> of probably somewhere in the ballpark of 2,500 people. And it's a little embarrassing for me when I bump into somebody, you know, out there, you know, at, uh, you know, at a store or something like that. And they're talking to me and I have this vague recollection, no but I can't place them. And, and, and some of them are, you know, like, you don't remember me, do you? I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't. Well, you, I was on your radio show. And as soon as they tell me what they talked about, it all comes flooding back. Um, but literally, we have interviewed thousands of people. Why won't they wear name tags? <laughs> But um, I do have to, to, to make a, a, special, uh, a special thank you to Will Infantine, my, my business partner in this venture. Um, this has not always been an easy venture for reasons that were beyond both of our control. And uh, uh, he, he's been there every step of the way uh, with uh, uh, challenges and wise counsel and uh, um, just the support needed to keep this thing uh, going. And so I want to thank him. Um, you know, in addition to my family for putting up with my doing this, in addition to everything else that was on my plate for the past six plus years. And, you know, it's not, you know, Will and I are <clears throat> always thinking about something next. So you can rest assured that uh, while this is goodbye, it's not farewell. And we'll figure out how to do it better. And in closing this show, I want to share with you a couple quotes. And, uh, you know, I used to write for the Hippo Press back in the day. And I stopped writing for them because I, I uh, there was, uh, and I forget what election cycle it was, but, you know, my weekly column ran at a time where it was before the election, but it would be published after the election. So I couldn't write any more about the races because it would be pointless and I didn't know the results. So I, I, I won't call it a treatise, but I shared a couple thoughts that have always been sort of my guideposts. And the editor, uh, Amy 
Diaz would not publish it. She told me my job was to write about Manchester events in Manchester, this, that, and the other thing. And that was the final straw for me because Amy had altered a number of my op-ed pieces such as such that my opinion was something other than what I had written. And when she refused to let me publish this um, article, uh, you know, showcasing these quotes as a way of sort of congratulating all who got involved, whether I agreed, disagreed, whatever it was. Um, and, and sort of sharing a bit of my personal philosophy on the uh, approach to politics through these quotes, that was, that was the final straw for me. I said, that's it. I can't do this anymore. I put a smiley face on it at the time. Uh, but now you know the truth why I stopped writing for the Hippo Press. It had everything to do with uh, an editor that was screwing with my columns and then yelling at me about what my job was. And mind you, I was writing free of charge for them. And uh, I would later find out that they were actually charging a 30% premium on the rates. They were charging advertisers who specifically requested to be placed near my column. So, uh, yeah. <clears throat> but anyway. So there are two quotes that um, I have long held. And the first is known as the arena quote. The famous one by Theodore Roosevelt. And it's an excerpt from his, uh, from his speech, uh, Citizenship in the Republic. And I'll give Josh the link to the entire speech so you can have it. And the arena quote, the famous quote is this. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error. And shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And it's... um. You know, it's something that uh, has, has guided my, my public life. It's one of the reasons why I get involved. You know, if it is to be, it's up to me. And that's basically what this quote says to me. That and, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, my, my mother's uh, constant encouragement as a kid to do something about it. So my father was encouraging, but in a little different way. Mom was more of the direct action person. Dad was a little more of the, the soft touch, if you know what I mean. Um, and, and so it's true because you know what? There are always critics. There are always people who are going to sit there and armchair quarterback what you do. Um, but at the end of the day, those who get involved, and this is why whether I like them or not, agree with them or not, and I can like someone and disagree with them, and I can disagree with someone, or I can, I can dislike someone and agree with them, it, This is why I keep it on the issues, folks. This quote. This is why I get in and try, and this is why I always give credit, though I may have some commentary about what they do along the way. See, I don't think I can criticize if I'm not part of the process, right? So, But this this has been one of my guideposts. The other is uh, one of Lincoln's best-known quotes, and... 
other than the basic sense of honesty and integrity that my, my parents inculcated in me growing up, I think this more than any, anything else <clears throat> is why, as I've said to you over and over again, I strive to get it right, not to insist that I was when I wasn't. If I were to try to read, much less answer, all the attacks made on me, this shop might as well be closed for any other business. I do the very best I know how, the very best I can, and I mean to keep doing it until the end. If the end brings me out, all right, what's said against me won't amount to anything. If the end brings me out wrong, ten angels I was swearing I was, swearing I was right would make no difference. So not only is it important for me to get it right, which is why I will and always have and will always continue to let facts get in the way of my opinion, it's also the reason why things aren't personal with me. Because a lot of people say a lot of things. And if, if there's one thing I learned early on in my political career, which started back when I graduated from Boston College in 1991, my first job out of college was as campaign manager for then Mayor Ray Wazorek's first reelection bid. Um, it's that you keep it on the issues. If you engage all of the people who are sitting there to throw rocks at you, to throw mud on you, to lie about you, to disparage you, and God knows we've seen an awful lot of that in our time on the air. Uh, you know, I never knew someone could be such a bad, bad person until I started reading some of the stuff said about me. And frankly, I realize it simply because it's I'm a threat to their point of view and they don't know how to defend against the arguments that are being made. So they adhere to the old adage, if you can't beat the messenger, if you can't beat the message, kill the messenger. This helps me stay focused. This has always helped me stay focused. And this is um, why when people ask me, how can you put up with it? I have two simple answers. One, first and foremost, I know I'm driving them crazy. It's amazing to me how many people's heads I live in rent-free. I know if I'm pushing, I, I know if they're reacting the way they're reacting. As someone once told me, when you're taking flack, it means you're over the target. So I know that I'm on the right track. But, I'm, but I also know what matters is if the end brings me out all right, what is said against me won't amount to anything. If the end brings me out wrong, ten angels swearing I was right would make no difference. And I keep focused because there's no way I could read, never mind answer, all the attacks made on me. But fortunately, those attacks have never gained any traction because so many of you, whether you are sponsors, show anchors, or segment anchors, guest hosts, guests, or just ordinary members of this large and lo loyal listening audience. You were there for me. You were there for me in ways that I could never express my gratitude for. You were there for our city, our towns, our communities, our state, our nation. You got involved. You got into the arena because you listened to this show. And it wasn't just by listening that you were in the arena. It's because you took action and together, we made a difference. We made a difference in community after community after community 
in election after election and election on issue after issue after issue. And while they didn't all go the way we would have liked them to go, they certainly went differently than they would have been had we not been here. It has been my high honor and privilege to share this time with you over the last six plus years. It will continue to be my high honor and privilege to continue to share news from our own backyard so that we can continue to connect people, local people, places, and things. This is not farewell, but it is goodbye, at least from this medium at this time. Be forewarned. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, Words, which is kind of an irony here, since I live and die by them every day on this show. Words cannot possibly help me express all that this has meant to me, all that you have meant to me, and the deep honor I will um, forever probably be undeserving for, or undeserving of, but grateful for, that it has been to be with you over the last six years. So with that, I say, thank you, Manchester. Thank you to, thank you, Manchester, and to all of you in the surrounding towns. We'll see you around. Thank you, Rich.